Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. I'm today's emergency host, 4020, filling in while the big boss Hamish makes his way back from work with some rail work delays. While he is making his way back, Bertie joins me to talk all things Parramatta. How you doing, mate? Yeah, been good. You know, had a rough week, week and a half for my sporting teams, but hey, you know, there's <laughs> always next week for them to fail me again. Hey, man, always next week for him to break your heart again. And Ham is absent this week, but we do have his tips for later in the show, so we'll drop them for you guys when it comes time to make predictions. Let's dive right into it, Birdie. Got a couple of games to review from the weekend. Let's start with the big one, Parramatta Reels falling to the reigning premiers, the Penrith Panthers, out at Bluebat Stadium on Friday night, 27-8. to Scoreline probably doesn't reflect how close this game was for about three quarters of its duration. I think right up until about the 60th minute or 59th minute when Dylan Edwards scored in the wake of Mitchell Moses getting concussed. Uh, that's when the game really took a nosedive for the Parramatta Eels. But up until that point, they were in it up to the eyeballs, leading 8-7 right into that period there. Uh, for the Eels, Oregon Kafusi scored our only try. Mitchell Moses adding both a penalty and a try conversion to our tally. For the Penrith Panthers, Brian To'o started their scoring with an, a brace in the 15th and 51st minute. There you go, a little bit of a palindrome there. Dylan Edwards and James Fisher-Harris closing it out. Nathan Cleary, not just flaws from the kicking tee, he was pretty much flaws in general in this game. He also added a penalty goal and a field goal, but he was outstanding. Taylor May did get Simbin in the 11th minute on a delayed call from the bunker after Will Penasini copped a pretty nasty high shot. Let's go for the numbers very briefly. Uh, Penrith Panthers, slight edge in possession, birdie, 51 to 49%. Time of possession, a little bit more in their favour, about a minute and a half. Uh, completion rates, well, this tells the story, really. Penrith at 83%, Parramatta down at 67%. Too many errors in the ball and gold, really hamstrung their efforts to get not only out of their half, but capitalise on some opportunities in this game. Penrith had an all-key attacking stats, but it was only three line breaks to two, and 35 tackle breaks to 30, so pretty close in those two regards there. Banff got a much faster play the ball speed, no surprise, 3.35 to 3.79. Eels ahead on offloads, but I don't feel like many of them were quality. Felt like they were more desperation. And then the other telling stat, Bertie, was kick defusals. Surprisingly, Penrith were only at 57%, but that makes sense given that Dylan Edwards spilled the ball a couple of times. Eels down at 24%. A lot of that pertaining to one player. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Eels actually defended more effectively, believe it or not. 88.83%, so a tick under 89%. The Penrith's 86.91%. Uh, we made less tackles, some way, somehow, uh, but only missed a few more and had far less ineffective tackles, but 14 errors to 10, and a couple more ruck infringements than Penrith, although we did have a slight edge in penalties. And that was the lay of the land when it came to the team stats. In terms of the individual stats, uh, I think most of the forwards had a pretty good outing here, Bertie, but you look at those playmaker stats, and they're the ones that really hurt. Uh, If you just look at the run meters for our core playmakers, Quentin Gufferson was down at, I think, 60 meters from fullback, 61 meters, Dylan Brown, 54, Mitchell Moses, 21, and Reed Money, who was, I think, by far the pick of the spine. He had six runs of 43 metres, including a nice little, uh, not quite a line break, but a pseudo line break. So Reed, probably the pick of the spine, and that probably tells you a lot too when your one, six, and seven don't fire fully. Uh, yeah, look, um, you know, our strength is always our forward pack, and I just felt, um, you know, it took, a, I think, three or four sets before, you know, Ice got in his hands on the ball. And same thing with Sean Lane. So we're feeding pretty much Reg and Junior and Murata plenty. Now, that's not a problem, but, you know, you look at Sean Lane, he's been in career best form. He's been terrorizing um, the left edge of, op- sorry, the right opposition's right edge. Yes. And even Ice, you know, he's pretty much. It, it, he, he's going to go down as probably like, uh, you know, might go back to the back uh, uh, dummy, sorry, not dummy half, back row of the year. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like I'm like feeding the ball. Like, I don't know why they're not feeding them the ball. And I don't know if it's just 
their game plan is just let's just do basic stuff. Just hit hit them up because you know when you look at a Reg and Reg was getting like you know two runs every set and he's a great forward, but man, it just it was a bit frustrating. We weren't feeding our edges that that often, and yeah, I don't know. I just you look at Penrith's side, and then you look at Toto. He had like twenty six runs, I believe, or twenty seven runs, some crazy stat. And then you look at our backs, like Sivo should be getting the high twenties, or sorry, high high you know teens, you know early twenties. But it's just not enough help from everyone, and it's just we'll just even though we hit the lead, it just seems like their tries. And I'm look, I'm not disrespecting Penrith. They're the team to beat. They've only lost what three games all year. Uh, two of them against us, but they had uh, sorry four games. Sorry, um, the two we games made it they easy did for lose them. against non parameter foes. They were heavily depleted though. So yeah, yes. but like they, they we made it easy. And look, and I'm not singling out Wonga Blake, but we, like it was like a backbreaker, like a soul crusher. Like we'll defend our yeah. butts off. We'll, we'll keep them pinned in. They'll just boot it, and then Wonga will drop it, and then it's just like it's just like yeah. There unfortunately, and goes out. you can't talk about the loss without talking about Wonga Blake's horror night, Manu Vatavayan esque in that regard. Mm. Where once he dropped the first one, you just knew he was going to drop pretty much everything that went his way. And surprisingly, Nathan Corey went after Mike Sivo initially. It almost felt like going to to Wonga Blake was an afterthought. But if you'd been watching the tape on the Parramatta Eels, you'd know that Sivo's been pretty confident under the high ball this year since coming back from his ACL reconstruction, whereas uh, Wanga, well, he's been so streaky. And then, you know, we saw that, unfortunately, in full display on Friday night. First bomb, it's interesting because Quentin Gufferson probably had a chance to get to that kick, but he let uh, he let Wanga have a crack at it. Unfortunately, just Wanga made a meal of it. I, I do think that uh, Jerome Luai might have contacted him before the ball arrived, but it wasn't. You know, it was probably enough to warrant a penalty, but it didn't show up on the replay or at least the bunker didn't see it, which who knows what that means. But once he dropped that first one, it was just game over in that regard. And unfortunately, Nathan Cleary is, uh, as much as we you know poke fun at him at times, he's far too good of a halfback not to take advantage of it, and that's what he did. And unfortunately, Wong just kept spilling it. And I think two of those drops, including the first one, obviously, led directly to Penrith tries. So that was It's a been huge a sneaky difference. problem towards the back half of the year. <clears throat> like, if you look back, go back to – you know, I – I'll tell the uh, Eagles fans, go back and watch the Warriors game and how many times they'll kick it and we'll knock it on. We couldn't catch a bomb to save our life. And this was this isn't just Wonga. This was like all of our centers. This was Lane. This was Gufferson. You go back and look at the Broncos game from the kickoff, Wonga Blake drops it. I just feel as though if it's attack, if it's going for a try, he's got hands like, you know, vice grip. But other than that, he just second guesses himself. I don't know if he's, it's the thought of the defense rushing onto him. But as you said, you know, once you know, you look at the second drop in, or sorry, the drop in the second half that sets up uh, Toto's second try. Oh, he, he was just all over the place. He was didn't set himself under the high ball, flailed around, dived at it, made an absolute meal of it, and it was just you know the classic call signs or hallmarks of a player that was playing with zero confidence when it came to that particular aspect of the game. So yeah, I mean, well done the Penrith for being able to capitalize on it. As frustrating as it was, for Parramatta fans, but you know, I think that was a big part of you, you can't beat Penrith out playing the full 80 minutes. I know that. We've done it twice this year. But I think that was a big part of why we lost this game. You know, it led directly to two tries. You throw in the Mitchell Moses concussion. Plus, not to mention uh, the Will Penasini and Sean Lane, HIA checks that knocked them out of the game for 15 minutes apiece. So we did have a heavily disrupted lineup throughout the course of this game. But yeah, we just uh, those things were major factors. But outside of that, we just didn't execute well enough. Our, I think our 1, 6, and 7 played below themselves, in particular Gufferson and Dylan Brown. And when Dylan Brown, you mentioned it, Bertie, but when Dylan Brown isn't getting heavily involved, Sean Lane isn't getting involved. So you're cutting out, you know, two of your best weapons in the game. And like, 
I, and I said it said in the preview pod like we got two ways of beating Penrith. The first time when we played them um, away, we you know we had the the unders the ball the cut back inside you know to negate their Russian defense. And the last one was like just you know instead of coming in go out on the edges. So like I just don't know where it went. You know, and I said like I said in the beginning of this pod, it took ice three or four sets for him to get his first touch the ball, and that was coming from dummy half. I just don't know. Um, maybe they don't want because look. You know, it's been a couple of years now where we sort of like it's sort of like Brad Arthur says we got to chase the con- collision and we got to win the ground game first. We have to run hard, and you know if we shift the ball too early, we don't earn the right for it. Maybe that's probably why. But you got to do better. You got to find your players because you look on the other side. You know, uh, Liam Martin was getting plenty of the ball. Kickout was getting some ball. Like <clears throat> it was just a frustrating night, and you know, um, I, I just we're in it as you said. We went up to eyeballs, you know, and like we we worked hard for our tries. You know, uh, Penrith, you know, got. <laughs> gifted possession we couldn't hold the ball we couldn't complete um we just made it easy for them and then obviously they scored that try for dylan it was a trick play which was a good play because gufferson has been caught out at a back um throughout the year and then i think the backbreaker truly was the james fisher harris straight from the kickoff you know we just couldn't defend it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> jake, just, jake yeah. arthur had a couple of uh bad moments had a couple of good moments too but which probably were lost in the context of our team's loss but yes the one of the big ones was he missed Nathan Cleary after that first try, which led to the second try directly. Uh, and, yeah, you could just see that his lack of pace, or at least bad position there, was easily exploited by Cleary, who was in imperious form. And, unfortunately, that was really the nail on the coffin in the game. And, yeah, it's interesting, buddy, because I don't know what you take out of this game as a loss. Eels competed strongly for 50 or 60 minutes while playing well below their best. So I suppose that's a good thing. Like, but now you're in sudden death football. I mean, you're, you're going to be in sudden death football if you won this game too, but you're doing it a week early. Penrith now fall through to what looks like the, the blessed side of the draw, given that both Cronulla and South Sydney are coming into a game after week one where both teams were absolutely either exhausted or battered, uh, depending on the game that you played. 93 minutes for the Cronulla Sharks versus the North Queensland Cowboys, and obviously the Rabbitohs taking on the, the Roosters in what can I only describe as like a throwback grudge match. You know, that was uh, violent. <laughs> that, that game had a lot of spiteful... Uh, intention in it and that translated to a number of acts on the field uh, but yeah for Parramatta now that means that they're going to take on the Canberra Raiders at Parramatta at Combank Stadium we're obviously we're going to finish off the podcast with a look at that looming game but any closing notes on this one Bertie before we shut the book on it um you know it's if there's any silver lining it's a positive that we you know played one of our worst games for a while like you mm-hmm. know completion rate because if we somehow had won you know it would have you know pay, you know paper you know what have they say paper mask over the, the cracks whatever like you know Look, I will say one thing, and I'm not, and I'm going to say it again. Brad Arthur's bench rotation is deplorable. Like you look at it, Makatoa, he only had two runs. Okay, Jack Arthur, you know, he had three runs. Kafusi nine, that's decent. Murata, you know, he's on the bench, so he started the game. Like I just feel as though I don't know if he knows how to get them involved, and I don't. I just find it's a waste having Makatoa on the bench. He's had two runs and what. What was it, eight tackles or something? And then Jake Arthur and like, and it's just. Well, I think, I mean, we, we've spoken about this ad nauseum on the podcast, but I, I think the conclusion is somewhere between uh, Brad could probably be a little bit more judicial when it came to using the bench. Uh, and B, the fact is that given that we were targeting David Clemmer and, and Martin Tapau at the deadline, uh, the August 1 deadline, I believe it was now, uh, it's pretty much an indication that he doesn't feel comfortable trusting that fourth middle forward or the fourth prop rival, given that Murata and Radisson are also middles. Uh, with the extended minutes, so it's somewhere between there, mate. And but you know, coming out of this week, we saw Craig Fitzgibbon use uh, pretty much fifteen players for ninety-three minutes. So it was an interesting week for coaches and their benches. Um, and uh, so not Craig Fitzgibbon, uh, Todd Payton, the Cowboys coach. 
they only use the hammer for four minutes and uh, Mian, I think it is, for seven in a 93-minute game. So very, very interesting use of the benches from a number of coaches this week. Unfortunately, Parramatta, uh, you know, we do rely on our starting middles plus the combination of Madison and Murata in rotation there. And yeah, and... He, he left Junior on for too long, in my opinion, because by the time Junior came on, they had scored those two quick tries mm. and it was pretty much, you know... Swimming upstream, essentially. We just, I don't know. Yeah. So, like I said, I think it's somewhere between, the truth is somewhere between uh, Brad needing to be, you know, a little bit more flexible with his bench and probably not, you know, not not to you know, poke holes at Makatoa, but uh, Brad probably looking for a more senior or experienced candidate for that final spot, which we do not have now. Yeah. Uh, we need to work on. That's, that's the positive. That's the only positive well, I can think of yeah, coming out of this game. Exactly. So... Not all doom and gloom by any means. We knew about Penrith. We were probably going to have to be a team you play four times this year in order to win the premiership. Whether we won this game or lost it, you would have thought they would have climbed through the loser's bracket through to the grand final on the other side of the draw. It just means that now the Eels on the other side and their pathway to the grand final now lies through the Canberra Raiders and the North Queensland Cowboys. Yep. Okay, it wasn't the only game on that particular weekend, Bertie. Unfortunately, the other game for the Eels, also a loss. NRLW falling to the Gold Coast Titans 18-16, to an absolutely sloppy start with none of the physicality and aggression that they'd shown the previous two games before they rallied with tries to Zawi Faye and Smyma Taufa. Rima Butler would go on to score the third try for the Eels in the 63rd minute, uh, but it was too little, uh, too late, I suppose. They scored the final two tries, but it wasn't enough to gun down the Titans of goal kicking in the difference. Uh, Taylor Preston, two from three. Lauren Brown, three from three for the Titans with Stephanie Hancock, Shannon Mato, and Jessica Elliston scoring. Unbelievably, Bertie, uh, before we talk about anything in the context of this actual game, unbelievably, the Eels came out of this game with the loss, obviously, which moved them to a season record 0-4, so worse than they were last year. And yet, unlike last year, where at this point of the season they were rubbed out of contention due to other results, they're going to come into the final regulation around the season, zero wins next to their name, and a great shot at making the finals. Because to make the finals, all they need to do, all they need to happen and all they need to do from here on in is have the top team in the competition, the Sydney Roosters, who are undefeated, beat the Gold Coast Titans, and then for the Parramatta Eels to take care of the Brisbane Broncos with the magic number being six. If they score six points or more in terms of differential, so 6-0, 8-2, 14-8, etc., etc., they will go into the finals with a, a Gold Coast loss. It is absolutely insane, but that is the, the equation, that is the formula for them now. Unreal. I mean, I mean, last year we we were in the other side. We, we were pretty much in the final, and we yeah, and out. Yep, exactly. And the mathematics killed us in the back uh, the back end of the last uh, game and a half. And unlike unlike that season or early this year, the twenty twenty one season delayed into this year. Now we find ourselves on the back of this Gold Coast loss with mathematics helping us. So yeah, I mean, there's not too much to take from this loss, Bertie. Uh, I don't know if it was just a toll on them taken after two really physical games against the Dragons. And then uh, more recently than that, the Newcastle Knights. Or out of that Newcastle game, they were just zapped by a number of absolutely horrific calls by the bunker that played on their mind, on their on their sort of mental space and how they approached the game against the Titans. Whichever way it was, if it was a combination or something different, they didn't play their best football in this game and the Titans took advantage of it. I mean, Titans only um, had three errors for the game, so they completed 33 from 36. So you look at, when you're looking at that, if there were no positions on handing the ball over by errors kind of like first grade, yeah. Uh, or sorry, the opposite of first grade, it's kind of hard to get the ball back. You know, and they dominate possession by more than seven minutes. Um, you know, the only way you get the ball back is from, you know, repeat sets from penalties. But, you know, Titans, did she know three errors? Um, we just seemed like, 
you can tell we are a newly found team, the newbies in the team. We look we look smaller, we look uh, a bit slower, um, and not as quick between the ears. Like uh, look, the only the shining, you know, you know the the only thing I could think of that was good out of this game was Zali Faye. You know, I think she's she's a young lady. Yeah, she, I think she's looked made a debut flank. last game, wasn't it, or no, two games ago? Round two, I think she debuted. And, yeah. uh, she's, and she's, she's been really solid. She had one error against, I think, the Dragons, uh, which was a bit unfortunate. But outside that, she's been really solid. Yeah, she showed um, her try was, you know, brilliant uh, strength, you know. And she also slipped over. It was a chance she almost scored again as well. She slipped over at the last stage. But she seems like a, you know, bright uh, prospects and, you know, um, got, a lot of, got a lot of talent. Uh, I just, you know, just like first grade, they've got to feed the ball to uh, Pinatana. Like, you know, I want to keep saying, you look back at the Dragons game, what Gail Broder were doing, was doing, sorry, and just her and, you know, Pinatana were just tearing them to shreds. And I just don't know why they don't feed her the ball. You know, she's pretty much our best player, Pinatana, sorry. And I just, look, we don't know if it's poor coaching or the players, you know, as you said, the, the constant turnover with the NRLW, but you look at other teams and these, like the Roosters, I know they've been together for a while. They just gel. Yeah, well, the, the, the foundation teams in the Dragons, the Roosters, and uh, the Broncos, who up until this year have been literally reigning premiers uh, for, prior to the 2021 season, so they had three straight years of dominance. You can just see that the, those three teams, those inception teams, are so much ahead when it comes to a foundation uh, for the any given squad they put in, uh, put in moving forwards. Unfortunately, the Eels haven't had a chance to really build towards that. Had some retention this year or in the back-to-back seasons this year but perhaps not in the right positions. I don't know. But, you know, the fact that they're still in the hunt for the finals is crazy. Just looking at the, the numbers here, you know, Broughton, Faye, uh, Penatani, Hanisi, uh, Taufer again, but it's always Taufer. You know, she's always got a good game. Kendi Charrington, all very good. I thought Rima Butler off the bench scored a nice try with some good production too, seven runs for just under 100 metres. So, again, there's like promising pieces in here, but just the Eels cannot stitch together a complete team performance. They can play tough and rugged, but then they lack the polish. Or they can bring the polish and then just can't compete uh, through the middle. So they've, they've got one game to figure it all out. It's incredible that they're actually in a position to make the finals. And looking across at the other side, Birdie, uh, she was named at the centres, but you know we, we saw her play fullback. And I was surprised she wasn't named the fullback for whatever reason. But Evanya Pelote, 30 runs, 300 metres, 11 tackle breaks. You know, just a, a reasonable little game there from the Gold Coast Titans fullback. That's what we want with Gail Broad, and like we brought her over from Rugby Sevens, you know, pretty much under the radar because no one was talking about her. And maybe I overhyped her, thinking she'll be this gun. But like you look at the other opposition, and even you go back to the Dragons game as well. Like um, with uh, what's Tonegato? Sorry, yeah. You've got to give. You got to get the ball. It's just basic football. It's just like you know junior football. Give it, it to the best player. It'd be fascinating to magic. find out what the reason is, Bertie, because we speculated, right? Is it the conditioning coming across from rugby union? Hundred percent. Yeah. Where in the sevens you play seventeen minutes of hard football, but it's not seventy minutes of high intensity. Rugby league being one of the most demanding codes you can play, testing both your anaerobic and aerobic capacities. So is it that? Is it unfamiliarity with the game and, and knowing where to be in the right position at the right time consistently? Uh, because we've seen glimpses of her at her best. She's absolutely devastating. Can mix the footwork with the ball skills with the vision. But yeah, it's been a problem keeping her consistently involved in the team. And if she was consistently involved, you got to think that the Eels would be in a much better place. Hundred percent. You look at what both you know both Eddie Walsh uh, last season. She, you know, she was. I said she was our best player. She was scoring tries. Mm-hmm. I feel as though coming from a rugby union background where it's a lot of stoppages, you can sort of get your breath. Mm-hmm. You look at the NRLW. There's no. It's back and forth. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. high adrenaline stuff. There's hardly like no one's kicking it out. You know, it's midfield bombs every kick. 
Um, the only stoppages you ever get is, uh, you know, from a scrum. There's hardly any scrum. So, you know, the, the women, the, when I look at the NRLW games, I think of it as a rugby rugby league's nines games, essentially. The ball's in play pretty much. For, like, I'm curious to see if there's a study of how long the ball is in play for the NRLW. There's no wrestling. There's hardly any wrestling. And I just feel as though the stop-start nature in rugby sort of benefits Gail Broaden. You know, I, we could be looking into too much, but... Yeah, you know, oh, she we can, has we can so much talent to be just 100%. sitting there behind the rock, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, a disappointing loss for the girls. Unbelievably still in the hunt for the finals. They're and getting think, better with every game. Oh, yeah. yeah they're, 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 you can game. see the progress. And if this was a double round robin format where they had a chance to go and hit, every, uh, hit play every other team again on a home and away split or something equivalent of with the NRL that you've been attached to NRL games, uh, you could definitely see more and more progress from it. But the fact is that the Eels just start the season too slow and couldn't, you know, not like they're out of it, but they haven't been able to claim a position in the finals by now uh, because they haven't been able to find everything on the same page at the same time. All right, Bertie, I think we'll wrap up on our reviews of the action from last weekend there. Let's head into a couple of pieces of news. The Parramatta Eels, we've got some recruitment and retention news. I think uh, we'll start off with the fact that incoming Eel, Jermaine Hopgood, I feel like we're talking about him a lot lately, but he's taken out the Penrith Panthers New South Wales Cup Player of the Year gong. No surprises there. He's been absolutely outstanding for the grade. And I, I dare say if he hadn't signed for the Parramatta Eels, probably would have played a lot more first grade this year. 100%. And it, it will be interesting seeing um, how his game style and like how Brad would use him because right now, I know we've signed Maddo to a big deal, but is he really our starting you know, lock? I know it's going to be stupid to pay him that much to go on the bench, but... I, I think we, I think Madison doesn't have to be your starting lock, but he can be your primary lock. You know, mm. Coming off the bench and playing the 50 or 60 minutes from there is a role it seems to jive with him very well rather than starting in those torrid opening periods where also you've got Reg and Junior dominating the possessions too. I think when he comes on as that rotation middle, he can be the guy that's spearheading those second and third sort of uh, quarters of play in and around Junior and Reg. Uh, the question is for Jermaine, does he take over that Murata role where he is in the opening period for that first 20 or so minutes and then becomes part of the rotation to be redeployed elsewhere? Or... Do we look at him in another way, whether it's as an edge or as you know uh, a bench sort of uh, ball playing impact guy? Seen only a few games with him, and I think defensively he's better out of he's the better of Murata and Maddo. So maybe like you might start off with him, start off with him, and he can you know defend well because you know he's a great legs tackler and um, doesn't get you know uh, doesn't miss many tackles or you know broken many tackles. But uh, defensively he's good. Offensively, yeah, like he's no like uh, Isaiah Yo. But he could get there one day, and you know, it's. I'm just, I'm just curious to see how Brad Arthur, because he's a good development coach, Brad Arthur, and I just, you know, look what he did with Papa Lee. I just want to see what he can do with Hopgood. Yes, exactly, exactly. And the retention, or that's not retention, but the recruitment news doesn't stop there. I think we talked about a few weeks ago of Ham on the podcast. I think we did, but uh, the Eels picked up a pair of uh, Queensland schoolboys representatives uh, after the schoolboys national cup. I think uh, it was Joshua Lynn and then there was the sort of edge back row prospect. Where did he go down there? Give me one sec. Joshua Lynn and I am absolutely making me all of it. But on top of those two signings there, it wasn't the only Queensland raid we've made. Uh, if you're an NBA fan, you'll probably recognize the first name, but the Eels have also signed an absolutely massive young forward prospect called LeBron Tuala, two meters tall, 116 kgs. I think he's 18 or 19. So he's an absolute unit. Uh, he'll be making his way down to the Bourne Gold next year to be a bit of a development project for us, Bertie. Yeah, so like, 
so otherwise you know did the whole year thing um you know i've said uh this year we've seen a lot of outgoings and only a couple of ingoings you know you, you pair this up with um you know hopgood uh the young knights guy we signed momosia or more i can't, can't get it can't remember his name so we're slowly uh recruiting young gun forwards and kyan murphy you know, was the other school we've already i found his name finally so yeah, Lynn, yeah. So, you know, look, they're not names that we're going to be talking about, like, you know, straight away, you know, next year. But, like, in the next two, three years, let them put them in the reserve grade squad, you know, Jersey Flag to a degree. You know, Jersey Flag has been hampered this year with a lot of ins and outs. You know, that's the typical. Yeah, the, uh, how it the is. injury crisis from the upper two grades certainly flowed down onto them, and they had a lot of roster issues with continuity for the first half of the season. But, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. And this has been our bread and butter, hasn't it? While we don't attract the high-profile marquee signings like the Sydney Roosters and whatnot do. Brad Arthur and, and his support staff have been very good at finding all those gems in the rough and those development projects to turn them into quality first graders. I mean, the first thing I thought of when I was, you know, saw his name, obviously besides the LeBron memes, <laughs> and they said he was a giant, is like I was thinking of Nas to a degree, like in terms of his body type, you know, yeah, a yeah. big, big, tall guy who's very built, not built, but like heavy, you know, sort of like a Dane Tills, you know, that's a throwback to the old days. Um, True. That's that type of player. Like we don't have many of them. Like you look at, a, I know, Junior and Reg are two different bodies. But Reg, you know, he's not like a towering um, forward. So this is, you know, it's a bit interesting to see. Um, you know, and you know, it's it's another sign of maybe not not so much uh, reten- like developing in our junior system, but going out there. You know, like going out to Queensland. Yeah, where- it's got to be a combination. I think that's where the Eels have been probably guilty of being either one or the other too much. They've gone heavily on outside the district recruitment or almost heavily on, almost completely on inside our own district recruitment. And the truth is you need a balance of both. You need to be cultivating a strong foundation with your Parramatta district, but you also need to be going out to Queensland and New Zealand and country New South Wales and having a look at what unique prospects lie in those areas. Yeah, so look, and, and I don't know if it's a cap thing where, you know, we've got so much money in our spine and we have to sort of like, you know, recruit a bit, recruit a few years younger and sort of like hold on to them. But it's going to be interesting to see how, um, do they go straight to... F- Jersey flag? Do they go on the bench um, for reserve grade? You know, um, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, we've got a few. Uh, you know, I think uh, Hollis is leaving us, so maybe LeBron can take Hollis's position in reserve mm-hmm. grade. Or yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting. But like, out of all the signs we've got, you know, I expect you know Hodgson, and we're going to talk about this when we have the review. Yeah, exactly. Post season, actually. Yeah, so the only names I'll pretty much expect next year to have an impact will be Hodgson and uh, Hopcourt at the moment. So, yeah. And maybe Mamasia too, depending on how his preseason shakes out. But otherwise, we're looking internally with a couple of young prospects there too, like Tony Matelli and, and whatnot. But yes, we, if we've got some more recruiting to do, which is a possibility. Uh, you know, obviously, we're all hoping out for Ice to backflip on the Tigers one way or the other. But if he does go, there might be space for us to go out and be aggressive recruiting a back row some way, somehow. Until then, though, but you're absolutely right. Right now, the sort of guys we're expecting to be difference makers are Hodgson, uh, Popgood, and maybe Momosia. Yeah, because don't forget, we still got Kai Rodwell, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, off he Ogden, who's going to have another proper preseason with the club. Uh, he has yeah. a chance to shore up his spot or his ability to contend there. So it's not a good. Potential debut for Elsa Cam as well. He's yep. been killing it. Luca Moretti still at the club, I believe, unless he left. I think he had, um, he's had a, a bung hamstring, maybe. So I could be wrong yeah. about that. But yeah, it's not yeah, like we're, we're not like we're bereft of options, and uh, certainly not like we're, it's impossible for us to go out and recruit someone across the off season. We've seen a number of times in our past guys like Michael Jennings joining the club very late when it comes to the recruitment cycle. Bailey Simonson, I know he mm-hmm. hasn't had the best year, but he was pretty much 
a January signing or February signing. It was like a uh, very yeah, late. It was one. very late. Yeah. Yeah. So like you know, and you know, Hayes does this kind of vaccine. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. But that, yeah, Hayes is also one that's been slept on too. He was so good for us last year. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but just don't expect us to be like, you know, the Tigers or the Bulldogs or the Roosters where we can just oh, yeah. start we're, we're not, flinging money. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to be flinging crazy money around on, you know, getting back rolls for eight dollars $900,000 a season and whatnot. Mm. Uh, but we'll, we'll make Although, it. Although, I did see, I don't know if it's, I did see someone, a link that us to Liam Martin, which is Yeah, I believe it was uh, Michael Chamis halftime in the last regular season game, Tigers versus Canberra, said that yeah. if the Eels can't keep Isaiah Papali'i, don't be surprised if they have a crack at Liam Martin. The only thing would be you'd, get him, you'd be getting him for 2024, not 2023. Yeah. And he also wants primo dollars too. So, yeah, that's a, a watch and see thing. And I think that wraps up the NRL news for the Parramatta Eels for the most part, Bertie. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Mitchell Moses and whether he got through that concussion legitimately or not. Uh, as, as it stands, he's been named. Obviously, we're going to talk about that in the preview. But I do want to say that it's a bit asinine of all the media to suddenly put the blowtorch on the Parramatta Eels about player welfare when, in terms of concussions, I think that we, alongside the Sydney Roosters, have shown the most duty of care to players across the last few years, both, you know, and been aggressively HIAing our own players, even playmakers, during, you know, live games where the scoreline is by no means secured. We've taken Gufferson and Moses and uh, Dylan and Reed off at various times in very much line ball games. And on top of that, you look at guys like Ryan Madison. We've given him every you know like protocol and every need that a guy that has chain concussions like he has or, or would require to the point where I think we we didn't play him for two months or close to six weeks. I think it was last year. So yeah, I, I just I mean like Moses. I think the last time he had a concussion was last year against Sharks in that game at Bank West where they actually brought in the 18th, the 19th, and whatever. But you look at like like I understand when it comes to Cameron Murray, Victor Radley, where oh they shouldn't be playing up. Yeah, after guys, a week. guys have literally had back to back concussions or something similar. You know, Mo- mm-hmm. Moses does not have an established history of concussion, uh, or at least in the the vein of guys like Madison and Cam Murray. And like I said, we're a, a club that has shown every intent to take concussions extremely seriously. So I, I just don't like them questioning the integrity of the club when it comes to taking concussions seriously. It's funny because, like, as I said, McCarran Murray missed the first, so last round against uh, Roosters, and he's back for, for a concussion or whatever. He got knocked out, sorry. Played the next week in the final. But as soon as we do it, they start bringing about, oh, you know, it's not really a concussion test to get a pass. It's an honesty session. So, like, why are you using us? Like, well, where's, the, where's the like for Cameron Murray where he was completely knocked out and... You know, he suffers of worse than Moses. I just don't... Like, it feels like... Like, I remember a couple of years ago, Andrew Voss mentioned that we'll pretty much cheat the system with faking a concussion yeah, for the it's like, it's, it's like, like, well, are we taking it seriously or we not? Or we don't give a shit about the players? It's it's sort of like they pick and choose when we take concussion seriously or not. So, mm, anyway. Yeah. And that uh, that is a, a sour note to leave the news on. Let's get into the previews. Hopefully, Hamish will pop up in time. If not, we'll get through the two games and and uh, make a, a bold prediction for him, Birdie. Let's start with the NRLW, who, as we detailed and debriefed earlier in this podcast, are somehow still in the hunt for the finals. Need the Sydney Roosters to take care of the Gold Coast Titans, and then taking on the Brisbane Broncos, the Parramatta Eels need to win by six or more. Broncos with just the one win, which was against the Gold Coast Titans, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, they're a far cry from their back-to-back-to-back premiership seasons in the NRLW. Newcastle, most notably, pinching a couple of their big players and Tamika Upton, and uh, Millie Boyle? Is it Millie Boyle? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that, that really took out the strike in both the pack and the back line there. 
they're sort of trying to scramble to fill those monster holes left in the roster. Haven't quite been able to do so, but still feature plenty of talent, which means the Eels are going to have to be very careful in this game. Uh, looking at the Broncos lineup, Birdie that starts off Haley Maddock at fullback. You've got Julia Robinson and Emily Bass on the wings. Jamie Chapman and Shanae uh, Chisolka, I think it is. Apologies if I got that wrong, Shanae, but they're in the centres. Taryn Aiken and Ali Brigginshaw are the 5'8 and halfback, respectively. Brigginshaw, obviously, a well known name in the code. In the front row, you've got Aneta Noasala, Chelsea Lenarduzzi, and then Jade Ferguson at dummy half, Jasmine Fogavini, Amber Hall, and Talisha Harden in the back row. So, some couple of real woggy names there in the Broncos forward pack, Lenarduzzi and Fogavini, uh, but uh, that's uh, the Italian in me speaking, sorry. Then you've got on the interchange, Amy Turner, Hannah Larson, Sophie Holliman, and Brianna Clark. Extend the roster, Paige Parker. Nita Maynard, former Paramount Real, landing up at the Brisbane Broncos there. Uh, Shakia Tungai, Caitlin Phillips, and Sarah Satia. For the Eels, just the one change, I believe, this week, Bertie. We've got Gal Broughton, as always, at fullback. Zoe Fay, who's caught your eye on one wing. On the other wing, we've got a young winger, Casey Tohihiku, played for the New South Wales 19s earlier this year. She makes her debut for the Paramount Eels. Tiana Penatani and Rikia Horn are unchanged in the centres. Ashley Quinlan, Taylor Preston are the halves in the front row. And part of an unchanged forward back, Philomena Hanisi and Ellie Johnston, Sally Malangi, dummy half. Christian Pio, Vanessa Foliaki, and Samima Taufa are the back rowers. On the bench, the Kennington sisters, Kennington, the Charrington sisters, Kennedy and Ruben, are joined by Ruby Jean Kennard and Rima Butler. Extended roster, Abby Church, Nevada George, Tess Daines, Brooke Anderson, Brooke Morgan Walker, this one kicks off at 12.05 p.m. Despite it being the Broncos' home game, they're on the Central Coast birdie. So I'm not sure. They're not attached to an NRL game then. They're just playing a standalone uh, <clears throat> series of games at the Central Coast Stadium, 12.05 p.m. on Sunday the 18th. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where you want to start with this one. Eels have to win by six. That That is absolute. Like, if they want to play finals, they have to hold up there in the bargain, which means a six-point or more victory. And then you're asking the Roosters to handle business against the Titans. You know, look, I, I'm not disrespecting the opposition here. They've lost, you know, as you as you mentioned earlier, Tamika Upton and Millie Boyle. But looking at their game last week, you know, Ali Brigginshaw pretty much brought them back in yeah. um, to yeah. Golden Point or whatever. Like, you know, she's a, she's a running half. You know, she does it all. She's literally an all around the half. So we got to watch out for her running game. You know, I was hoping maybe <laughs> I don't know if we have another backup fullback, but move uh, maybe I don't know Brawl into the into you know five and eight almost force to get more involved. Yeah, it's a yes, yeah. Because like as you said, you know we need a we we can't defend our way to get to the finals. We need a score. You know, I'd rather us I'd rather us lose like thirty to twenty four. You know, than you know just to defend our line. We have to you know try and score. You know, put the pressure on them and just you know um you know front. Pretty much play runaway football, you know, hit the front and then just keep scoring because um, that's our only chance. And yeah, you know, look, I'm hoping for a big game from um, you know Zalife and Tiana Panatana, but it's just hard, you know. Broncos, yeah, Brigginshaw, she can pretty much win the win the game on the on the on her own on her own. So other than that, I thought maybe Ruben um, Ruben Cherrington might have started. I know she had it was she had the injury early in the year and that's why she started. Yeah, Ruben, yeah, Ruben came to us with no. I think Candy was coming off a, a uh, Candy Sherrington was coming off an injury late last season, and then yeah. Ruben. I'm not sure if she came to the club carrying an injury, but she was also just young, so I think they were just trying to ease her into it. So I could be wrong about that though. Yeah, well, one of them was starting for us last year. Oh, Kennedy, Kennedy was the one playing for us. Yeah, last yeah, Kennedy, season. that's it. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe she might have played. Um, might have started, but other than that. Yeah, I think the coach has to do something. You know, um, you know, mix it up a bit this week. Mm-hmm. You know, what's I understand we're getting better each game, but this is our last game, and 
you don't want to have a lot of regrets this year or this season saying, I wish we did this. I wish we, you know, move either Gale Broad into the halves or I wish we um, maybe even get, you know, Tiana sort of do like a Joey Manu, you know, move, get yeah, into the I half. I don't mind that idea. Get her in, you tell her, you know, get to the other side of the field, get to the right and involve mm-hmm. yourself like a second fullback the way Joey Manu does for the Roosters. It's not a terrible idea. Play heads up football and don't be afraid. Um, not so much push the offload, but just don't be afraid to play, you know, down the sideline or kick a bit early. But, um, yeah, it just picks it up. You know, once again, I think I have, you know, if, if we're going to win, it's going to go off the boot of Taylor Preston. And, yeah, maybe she can run the ball a bit more. But other than that, I'm confident this game, but it could go either way, man. You know, against the Titans, we were, we were down 10 0, I believe, or 12 0, whatever it was. And I thought it was game over. We came back. Uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, we do the reverse from last year and we pretty much get better every game and win this game and head into the finals. But it's a big ask, man. Oh, yeah, it is a huge ask. And, yeah, the, like we said, just the Eels have to hold up there in the business or of the, of the deal and hope that the Roosters hold up theirs. If that's the case, it's not the most uh, amazing way to make your maiden final series, but you take it any way you can get it. And they'll be into the finals almost certainly playing the Sydney Roosters. Actually, it's they'd absolutely be playing Sydney Roosters because they'd be banking on the Roosters to win, which means the Roosters would be the minor premiers. So you book a date with the Roosters, the team that handled you so easily in the first game of the season. And But once you're in the postseason, we know, Bertie, anything can happen. Yep. Uh, also, it's good to see it's on Channel 9, KO and Fox or so. Unless, if you if you don't mind the drive up to the Central Coast, it's a, it's a great stadium. You know, the picturesque uh, view, you know, background of the – I don't know what that lake is, but it's, you know, brilliant. I've been there for a few soccer games. Because I got a mate that played for, uh, for the Mariners, and it was unbelievable. So if you got no excuse, um, if you if you don't feel like going for a drive, you got no excuse to watch the game. You know, there's no football on the day. You know, um, so why not? Hopefully, some of the first graders can get out there and support the the gals. But uh, yeah, do yes. or die for them. Yes, indeed, do or die, absolutely. And that uh, brings us to another do or die game, where the Parramatta Eels host the Canberra Raiders at Combank Stadium. Bertie, this one kicks off Friday night, seven fifty p.m. Our last game at Combank this year. Kind of sad, kind of terrifying, but also exciting too because it means if you get past this, it's a brave new world of grand final qualifiers and even the big dance itself. But the Canberra Raiders, they come into this game red hot. Ricky Stewart continues to try and play the underdog narrative about how no one's given them a chance this week, which is absolute garbage. They're in sensational form. There's no way they're not getting an even share of the, of the uh, tips here across the board. If anything, they're probably the favorites given that so many people seem to think that Parramatta is going to choke this game away. But looking at this Canberra team, Birdie, you've got Xavier Savage at fullback, Nick Cottridge and Jordan Rapina on the wings, Matthew Tomoko and Sebastian Chris in the centres, Jack Whiten and Jamal Fogarty are the halves, Josh Papali'i, Zach Wolford and Joseph Tapanay are named in the front row. Kind of surprised that Zach Wolford got out of that game against the Melbourne Storm, and at least seemingly uninjured, looked like he'd done a, a ruptured bicep or a pick, and... Yeah, he seems to be okay this week. Back row, Hudson Young, he's a sensational touchdown there. Left edge, Elliot Whitehead is a rock on the right. Corey Harrower and Ayura gets the start this week. Lock forward. On the bench, Tom Starling is the dummy half. Interchange, Emre Gawler, Corey Horsburgh and Ryan Sutton, the reserve forwards. Extended roster, Albert Hopawade, Atta Mariota, Matt Frawley, Peter Holler and Chance Nickel Clockster. Pretty good all-round lineup, Bertie. And one that I was just talking to 60s today is... Uh, Somewhat similar to the Parramatta Eels. Very powerful middle forwards in Papali'i and uh, Joseph Tapane. Got some handy halves, some dynamic backs, and a couple of good back rowers in Hudson Young and Elliot Whitehead and Corey Harawira and Ayera. So, yeah, kind of crazy the similarities there if you take away Ricky Schultz being the coach, obviously. Uh, but, yes, they, they shape up to be a very formidable threat. Handled the, the Melbourne Storm 
excellently last week, came into the finals in red-hot form, leaping in over the Brisbane Broncos in the last week or two. This is a team that you can't underestimate. I mean, like they're how they beat Melbourne is like how we beat Melbourne. You know, um, you know, foot line, uh, sorry, footwork at the line, um, offloads. You know, a big, powerful forwards. You know, Joseph Tarpany. You know, he's arguably. Uh, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say it. You know, they're probably the best prop in the world. You know, alongside Junior Paulo, Junior Paulo, sorry, and um, Regan Campbell Gillard and James Fisher Harris. You know, he's going to go a long way, uh, whether or not uh, for uh, for Raiders and even for New Zealand come World Cup. Yeah, Tapanay you know, has been an incredible touch almost mm. certainly the form forward of the competition this year. And it's funny because he's gone from his missus beefing with the coach on social media to almost single-handedly carrying their season back from the absolute uh, death. And, you know, he just brings everything. He, he runs hard, beats the initial contact, has post-contact, can slip an incredible offload away, is a rugged defender. He is just the real deal, full package. And then you got Hudson Young, who's scoring plenty of tries. You know, um, he kind of mirrors, um, you know, Sean Lane and Ice a bit. Elliot, it's interesting seeing uh, Whitehead on the edge. I don't know if you, I don't know much, don't watch many Raiders game, but I thought uh, Corey Harawa Naro was the other back rower. So I don't know if they interchange them too. Yeah, uh, exactly. CHN more at home on the edges, uh, to my knowledge, but it looks like they're trying to get a little bit more mobile against Parramatta, perhaps. Yeah, because he's a good uh, hole runner. Like he's like another. He, he's like the same with um with Sean Lane and even uh, Britton the Cora for Cronulla Sharks. You know, um, once he pokes his head through the line, you know he can. Um, you know, run a good line and uh, score a few tries. Other than that, like you know, their bench, like that's their bench is what I would like our bench have a backup hooker um, to interchange, and then you know have three big props that are mobile. Like you know, I, I know we beat them this year, but last time we played them on when it was the COVID games, uh, we played them up in Queensland, and the difference was when they had both Starling and Hodgson on the field, and every time they kicked early, it was them to their leading attack, mm-hmm. you know, leading the defense, defending line. So. I'm a bit jealous. That's how I'd like my bench to be. Um, nothing against Jake or, or Makatoa, but you know, even give Reg, uh, sorry, not Reg, sorry, give Reed a spell. But like, I just feel as though uh, going forward, two hookers is a way to go, in my opinion. But um, yeah, it's good. Uh, it's it's a very t- it's going to be a tough bench, and it's going to come down to literally one missed tackle. I reckon the game, you know. And before we get to the Parramatta Eels team, unbelievably, the first two time, the first time these two teams have met in the postseason. Never played finals football against each other. Crazy. Well, I don't want to talk shit, but usually when we make the finals, we're top four and they barely make the finals. So shots go. fired right there. Mate. <laughs> there you go. All right. People, and I like how people say, oh, Ricky's got a great record. Yeah, he's probably versing team eight, team seven, whatever. We're versing, and no one wants to look at it. Okay, Brad Arthur has a bad record, but we usually lose to the eventual yeah, premiers the or, or the people up. in the grand final. Yeah. We, we've actually so, been pretty unlucky in that regard going back through to, 20, to 2017 under BA's stewardship but speaking of BA's stewardship here's the team his name Bertie no changes across the 17 players which means they line up like this Quinton Gufferson at fullback Mike Acevo and Wanga Blake on the wings Will Penasini Tom Opacic the centres Dylan Brown Mitchell Moses in the halves of course Reg Reagan Kibble Gibbard and Junior Barlow the bookends to Reed Marnie at dummy half Sean Lane Ice Isaiah Papali'i and Ryan Madison in the back row although I expect Madison to do the old switcheroo with Murata Niakori who was named in the 17 as it stands, joining Murata on the bench, though, is Mac Hesse Makatoa, Jake Arthur, Oregon Kafusi, extend the roster, Nathan Brown, Bowie Simonson, Bryce Cartwright, Offahiki Ogden, and Kai Rodwell. So the Eels, 1-17. to The only change in the 23 from last week is that Offahiki Ogden is in the reserves over Sean Russell, who might have been banged up uh, from the New South Wales Cup final that they lost. I suppose the two question marks in this team list were going to be, does BA back Wanga Blake, and does BA look to tweak his bench? 
the answer to both of those is, well, no. Sorry, well, does he change Wake Blake? No. Does he change bench? No. He is backing Wanga. He is backing his bench, which is true to BA's character, true to his convictions, Birdie. Uh, we've spoken about it on the podcast. It's both his greatest strength and perhaps his biggest weakness is the fierce loyalty that he has to his players. It instills a lot of confidence in them. It lets them be their best versions of themselves and oftentimes gets the most out of them. And we've seen it you know, time after time in terms of getting these players to either overperform or play their career best football under him. But if someone is in a prolonged funk or slump or struggling, he will back them to the hilt rather than drop them. Is that the case here for Wonga Blake? Has he got it right? Should he have gone for Bowie Simonson? I assume Sean Russell isn't an option, so that sort of leaves out another wing candidate there, which means Bailey's the only option. Should he have gone for Bailey? Or do you think Wonga can conquer his mental demons in a week's time? I don't... If it, I, I, after, straight after the game, I said we had to move Wonga back to centres and either bring in Russell, you know, he's got a bit of speed, or bring in Bailey Simonson on the wing. Now thinking about it, I just thought if we do that, it, if we do that, it's essentially what we did to Hayes Dunster. We, we brought him in for the finals week to make his debut in a, you know, in the back line. And I feel as though defensive, because defensively our edges have been superb. And if we, if we start tinkering with that, we might bring back the times where we'll let in try. So I'm okay with giving Wong a, a play and have a chance, but with Makatoa and, you know, and his son on the bench, I feel as though he's showing a lot of balls because if we lose this game, that's all we're going to hear. And, and then them two don't play well, or if our bench, our rotation turns out to be what cost us or whatever. It's a long preseason, and it's going to be a long preseason of Brad Arthur thinking, did I really, should I have made a change on the bench at least? Mm-hmm. Or should I have brought in, you know, a Kai Rodwell or even a um, Ogden or Nathan Brown to a degree? Because Nathan Brown's a veteran, you know. I know I see some people want Bryce Cartwright, but if he doesn't get this right, and if the players don't repay the faith and, you know, give their best performance, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be blood. The, the fans will want blood because this is, once again, going out of straight sets and it's a long preseason and, yeah, it's going to be a very, very tough. Um, it's, it, you know, I, I commend it's, Brad off for making this call to stick solid because, it, you know, as I said, straight after the game, I want to change. You know, a lot of people flinch it's in the knee-jerk yeah, reaction want to change. It's easily so. reactionary in the light of a loss like we had last week. And, and, and one thing is, man, he'd be a great poker player because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't doesn't seem flustered. He seems calm, you know. And That's true. That's true. Yeah. And look, the decision on the bench is as much an extension of the decision to back Wonga Blake. Both of them, like I said, are true to his character, true to his convictions. They're his troops. They're, they've you know served him well throughout 25 regular rounds into the finals. He's going to back him to get it done this week. And, in, you know, in similar vein to that, the Eels haven't dropped back-to-back games, which is a reflection of the faith that he has put in this team. Despite some bad losses throughout the season, the boys have always backed him up and never dropped consecutive games. And obviously we're all hoping that remains true heading into Friday night. But I, I do want to say, Bertie, you, you're not wrong about people going to you know, be calling for the head and putting the blowtorch on him, at least among the fans, if we do drop out in the finals this week. But I've got to say, if we make next week's grand final qualifier against the Cowboys and then lose, I, I would not be surprised if the fans start you know, bitching, complaining just as much as if we'd lost in straight sets. Until we win a premiership, is not going to be enough. That, I think that's just the reality of the situation yeah. with the Paramount Reels. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think because with us losing the first week, we are on, I reckon, the softer draw. You know, I, I don't think Cowboys are the real deal. The, the only thing about the Cowboys is it's in Townsville because of the regional yeah. stadium policy and it's not in, in Brisbane. The venue certainly favours them more than if it had been in the state capital. But yes, in terms of the actual teams left competing, I think it is fair to say that is the softer side of the draw. 
Penrith obviously being sit or sitting in the grand final qualifier on the other side, and South Sydney, who you know, God bless us, we managed to get on the other side of the draw from them. Oh yeah, no, I feel if we get if we get past Raiders this week, I'm confident we can actually go up to Queensland, get the job done. You know, they sort of like ambushed us in Darwin. You know, they're forwards. You know, they just ran harder than us, and I feel as though. Um, you know, give them you know a week there to prepare up in Queensland. I reckon they can get the job done. But we're going to get ahead of ourselves. We have to get through uh, Raiders. This yes, is our tougher, toughest task, I reckon. And like we said, two teams that play very similar, big time power mm-hmm. games through the middle. Some very good back rowers. You're talking about Lane and Ice Zipe, I believe, for the Eels, obviously. But Hudson Young, like Sean Lane, has put himself in World Cup contention for the. I was about to say for the Eels, but for the Kangaroos on the back of a sensational individual season. Ilya Whitehead is a steady head in the back row. CHN is a bit of a wild card there at lock forward as they go uh, more mobile, more dynamic. So, yeah, plenty of talent across both rosters there. Eels probably have the edge in the halves, although Jack Whiten is a fair 5'8". But then the back line, you've got a couple of young bucks in Tomoko and Chris going up against Will Penasini and Tom Opacic. Mike Acevo, he's been in sensational form, but Jordan Rappenau loves to kill the Eels. So there's plenty of fascinating matchups across the park we know how to win this game, don't we, Bertie? It is simple for the Parramatta Eels. Chase the collisions. Have your halves get involved. That includes Dylan Brown deal. We need you not to be a passenger who then in turn get your back rollers firing and involved and giving you different shapes. You can use those unders balls, those uh, inside passes that you were talking about before. We used against Penrith in the first time we played them. Uh, and then give you the ability to mix it up out the back to your centers and to your fullback. So it's not rocket science. It's not rocket surgery if you want to get the, the two memes mixed up there. Parramatta need to go out there, complete their sets, take their opportunities, and defend well against what the Raiders are going to throw at them. The offloads from Tapanay, the offloads from uh, Papali'i of the Josh variety. And then the other thing you've got to watch out for is the cheeky little kick from the back rower Hudson Young. He loves to put a little grubbery kick in for himself in the goal mm-hmm. line or on the goal line. Well, we know what the Raiders' game plan is going to be. It's going to be like, as you said, the offloads, but when it comes to last, they're going to target Wonga Blake. So as long as Wonga Blake can, you know, catch the balls and, you know, sort of defuse them, I'd rather them kick on fifth as opposed to running it on fifth because when they start running it, you know, we have sort of like a jagged line, you know, wingers back. That's when they're sort of dangerous. They're, they've got, you know, they've got great athletes out wide. And, you know, Tomoko's a machine. He's, you know, he's a beast. He literally fended Munster. Oh, um, to the what next, a, what you know, a fan that was. Just, yeah, that was insane. Oh, it, and, like, and also, like, Sebastian Chris is another – he's not a small uh, center. You know, uh, I just feel as though um, they've got – they're they're outside backs. They're big. They're strong. They can offload and break tackles. So, the, the more we should, I know we and, I, and we didn't harp on it as well. There was no pressure, no kick pressure um, on Cleary, but we have to pull a lot of pressure on Whiten. You know, he can tend to kick it on the full, but when he gets that radar on, he's pretty good. So, you know, we, we try to make them kick. Don't let them run on last, and you know, we, we'll get the job done. You know, and I feel as though Junior, I think I feel as though Junior and Reg can take can take down uh, yeah. Tarpani and Papali. It, it, it might actually come down to the hookers, you know. True. Thomas Starling likes to, t- likes to run. You know, he likes to cut us. He's like a baby version or a poor man's version of Cook. You know, maybe... Um, that's true. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if, if uh, Reed ran the ball as opposed to well, kick. Well, that, that's what I was going to... We didn't talk about in the, pre- the review much, but that was probably the silver lining out of that game was that Reed had his best game of the season. He ran mm-hmm. the ball. The short passes on the goal line finally paid off with that nice little ball to Oregon Kafusi. So maybe... And he even kicked the ball nicely in general play. So maybe he can bring that into this game and be the difference maker. So that would be absolutely huge to get a big game out of Reed on the back of Mitchell, Quinton, and Dill all firing as well. And look, the, the Raiders are coming into this game with so much momentum. It's going to take a concerted team effort from the forwards, from the backs, from the spine to get the job done. 
what does stand in our way is the fact that the main whistleblower is Ashley Klein in this game, Birdie. But I will say this. I thought that last week's absolute shit show on Sunday between the Roosters and the, and the Rabbitohs might have been one of the best games he's ever called, as weird as it sounds. With the game absolutely melting down around him, he wasn't afraid to put guys in the bin. And probably the only real knock on him was he missed the George Burgess shot on Tedesco. But even then, that's as much a bunker call to go to the sim bin as it is his. I mean, he was consistent. Yeah. You know, he and consistently that, 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 that is literally yeah. what you want from a referee. If they're going to be frustrating and, and, and difficult with their interpretations, at least be consistent about it. So who knows what lies ahead for the Parramatta in that regard. But, you know, it's all to play for here, Bertie. We've gotten to this hurdle so many times under BA now. 2017 uh, was against the Melbourne Storm. We, we went – no, sorry. We uh, lost the Melbourne Storm week one, but then lost the Cowboys, the two grand finalists. Then 2019 – it was, I believe, the Melbourne Storm. Then 2020 was the Rab- uh, the Rabbitohs, if I'm not mistaken. And then yep. 2021, last year, the Penrith Panthers in one of the most unlucky results you ever get in that 8-6 loss up on Queens at the Queensland coast there. It's yeah, just- so look, all those losses, like even the Cowboys lost, uh, they went on to the, to the grand final yeah. of the first Storm. So we played pretty much week one, week two, the, the grand Let's final of Quinella. Finals, yeah. So every game we've lost, essentially... But I think besides, I think the South game wasn't. They didn't make it to the grand no, final that, was that year. The year that Canberra played the Roosters, I believe. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. So we've had, you know, as much as this, we've had a hard, you know, draw in the finals, and that's what we played. It just shows you we're playing the best teams when it comes to the end, end of the season. So, so it's, hopefully we turn it around. But it's time to get this gorilla off our back, Bertie. It's yep. time to get to the grand final qualifier, just eighty minutes from the big dance itself. And if we're going to do it, how's it going to go down, mate? What's the score? Who's going to get the first try? Who's going to be the difference maker for you? Ah, uh, so I think we're gonna we'll get the dub for sure. Um, I think we'll win twenty eight. Uh, Canberra sixteen. I think first try scorer. I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Tom Opperchet. I, I find it. I feel as though um, Sean Lane will hit a hole and you know pretty much pass to him and you know we as I said in the pre- review we didn't feed Lane much ball. Mm-hmm. I, I could see him getting plenty and. Yeah, opportunity will be on the end of one of those offloads. Um, I feel as though we'll, we'll lead the whole way and, you know, Raiders will score like a, a fluky try from a kick, you know, or a deflection or, you know, offload. But um, I feel as though, I'm not saying it's going to be a comfortable game, but uh, we'll, it'll be a, a bit rewarding win for us, you know, high completion rate, um, you know, and I feel as though it'll be a clinical pe- uh, performance. And a lot of players didn't have their best game last week and I feel as though they're going to want to redeem themselves, so... Yeah. Hamish, sorry, Ham, uh, gave us his predictions. We were waiting for Hamish to give us something. I don't think he's going to make it in time. Uh, but Ham said Eels to win 19-10, Will Penasini, first try scorer. So another solid win for the Pamela Eels there. Don't see a 19 can we, can we hop? Can we think who would kick the field goal? Because I, if I know Ham, and I know him a lot well, I feel as though we're going to do a trick play. You know, sort of like a Nathan Brown, we're almost pulled off. We know, goes for the line, passes it back to Moses. I feel as though Reed Money might kick a field goal. Reed Money field goal. The old Robbie Farris step out of dummy half maybe and just pot it over. Oh, I feel as though um, they'll pass to Moses. They'll get charged down. Reed will go back and he'll slot it from forty yards there out. There you go. There you go. Uh, so Ham with the nine point victory for the Eels. There, Will Penasini being his first try scorer to book a spot against the Cowboys up in Townsville. For myself, I'm going to go for a twenty six eighteen win. I think this is going to be a, a very physical and free flowing game. A lot of good forwards on both sides of the football there. The ability to play second-phase play and, and sort of in and out of structure, very much a, a sort of second-nature thing for both the Eels and the Raiders. First try scorer for the Parramatta Eels, you went Tom Opicic, Ham went Will Penasini. I'm going to back Dill 
He's going to bounce back in the biggest way possible, get the first try, go and have a great game. And for Hamish Birdie, well, we don't know what he's going to tip, but obviously he'd be tipping a Parramatta Eels victory here. What, what sort of scoring do you think the boss would say? Oh, yeah, I think he said anything less than 40 nil is a slap <laughs> in the face of Parra fans, that especially exactly, to Ricky Stewart. It sounds uh, exactly like something Hamish would say. So yeah, he's got the so. Eels with the, the big 13-plus victory by, by miles. Uh, he's probably got Mitchell Moses down for a hat-trick or something like that. Yeah, Junior Paolo, first try yeah, scorer, Reg. So he, he's, yeah. he's, he's ticking all the boxes there. And the other thing we didn't talk about here, Bertie, uh, we did mention it's the final home game of the season at Combank for the Parramatta Eels, but the factor of the home crowd, they were absolutely electric against the Melbourne Storm. I expect them, despite the shit show that was the Monday morning ticket rush, to turn out in droves here and absolutely pack out Combank Stadium in a sea of blue and gold and to roar our boys for 80 minutes home to a massive, massive win. You know what's funny, right? So obviously we've got history of Ricky Stewart. But since he left, I've like besides that first year where he dodged us, we played them in Townsville or town, not Townsville, Darwin. I kind of forgot about it and my hatred towards him. But because they brought it up or of the hatred and the, what he did on the way out, I think a lot of fans are going to remember that and going to be pissed off now. They, they'll probably just go in and just want to get the dub, but they're just going to remember how he treated us on his way out, pretty much stepping on us and calling you know disrespectful names. I feel as though it's kind of back, it's going to backfire on them. Because we know Ricky Stewart likes to feed uh, information to his friends in the in the you know in the newspapers, it's going to backfire, and I feel we're going to have a hatred crowd out there. We're not going to do nothing illegal like light flares or you know run streak to field, but any chance we get to boo him, we're going to make it that uncomfortable for him to be on the bench that so he'll want to go sit back up in the stands. And Paramount fans, boo the heck out of him because he deserves it. <laughs> yes, I think that's a fair way to wrap it all up, big fella. All that's left now is to go out there and win this game. Book your spot yep. in the grand final qualifier. Enter that brave new world, and, and you know, once you're in that new territory, anything's possible. 100%. Get through this week, and the pressure's off you because we go to Queensland under the radar, backs against the wall, ready for an ambush. That's it, mate. So we'll be with you guys next week, one way or the other, whether we win or lose. Obviously, it'll be a season debrief if we do lose, but you know, we're expecting, hoping, praying for these boys to go at least one more win deeper into the finals. And after that, everything is possible. Until yeah, then, and hopefully, and hopefully the NRLW get the win and yeah, play some true, finals. true, exactly. There's sudden death football in line for both both teams. There, so much play for this week. So until then, stay safe, enjoy the football. Catch you guys in the next episode. Yeah, have a good one.